It's time to find your inner beats and discover the keys to success. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Good Karma. You gotta be excellent to be on this show. Whether you are a newbie or an experienced internet explorer, our host will find the answers that you seek. Ask the questions that others are afraid to ask so that you may reap the rewards of your good karma. So, we got a lot on the plate. Let's dive right into it. And now, here are the hosts of Good Karma, Vanessa Fox and Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Excellent. Hello, everybody. This is Vanessa Fox, and you're listening to Good Karma. Um, We do not have Greg with us today because I believe he's going to be mocking us from the chat room um, because, you know... He's just like that. Um, but who we do have with us today is Rand Fishkin of SEO Moz. How are you, Rand? Very well, Vanessa. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. We, uh, you actually were on our show last time. I don't know if you recall. Um, I do recall that. Yes, it was. It that was, was a while back. A couple weeks ago at PubCon, it was a cameo appearance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a fun time. Um, so, how are things going with you, Rand? Why don't you um, tell our audience a little bit uh, about uh, what, what's been happening at SEO Moz? And, uh... Sure, sure. So, we, uh, we took some venture capital financing from a company, a venture company here in Seattle. I think we, got, we closed that round just before Thanksgiving. Um, and since then, we've been, we've been growing our premium membership stuff. Um, and focusing a little bit less on the consulting side of the business. So we still work with a few companies, like I think when you came in this morning, I was on a call with Fast Company, hmm. um, helping them with their new beta site. But awesome. uh, we, and did you hear Robert Scoble might go over to Fast Company? Might, I did be working for them. did hear that. I think I saw that on ValueAg. So I think I was talking to the guys on the phone, and they're like, we can neither confirm nor deny that Robert <laughs> Scoble is going to work here. Um, and that was that was fun. So we we've been doing that. We've grown. I think we've grown premium membership to about just under seventeen hundred members now, which awesome. is great. Um, Very awesome. Yeah, and it's exciting. I think and and SEO Moz has been been chunking along. We did not make the uh, the web celebrity list though. I saw Darren Rouse was on there, and Aww. I think who was a near miss. Somebody else was a near miss. Maybe it was Aaron Aww. was a near miss, but we were not a near miss. Aww. Nor were we on there. And that's all right. So sorry. I'll, I won't mock you from my from my position of, of uh, authority and power. Yes. <laughs> Fame, infamy. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on your um, oh, round of you. funding. Appreciate it. I know that Ignition is very excited to see all the cool stuff that you. Got How would you know that? I don't know. I heard it to the grapevine somewhere. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, so today we thought we'd talk about uh, all kinds of random stuff, and I did send out a Twitter and a blog post saying that if anyone had questions for Rand, uh, to um, pop mm. them over to the chat room or send a Twitter, and I said I would see it right on my phone. And uh, so, well, oh, and in fact, we already have a question from the useful and wonderful Twitter that oh, Rand great. refuses to uh I will. I will answer the only the, the question only because you're here. <laughs> Normally, Twitter and me don't get along so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we're going to turn everyone around to the Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't know if you missed SEO rock stars a couple days ago, but Todd and that. Greg um, spent the entire episode, I believe, talking about the wonders of um, of Twitter. Didn't, didn't Bozer get thrown off of Twitter? 
Uh, <laughs> he may soon. <laughs> I believe they talk about that adventure um, on their show, so if you guys are interested, you should definitely uh, check that out. Um, so while we wait for questions from the chat room, we do have some things to talk about, but why don't we go ahead and take this question that just came to my phone. Fancy, fancy. Um, from Jay Martinez. Uh, how Hello. Can Hi, Jay. Yeah. Um, how can one um, generate more um, traffic to a blog that is just starting out? And I feel like you would be an excellent person to answer this question for us. How do you generate it? So I think that one of the best things that you can do with a blog that's first starting out is to, first of all, kind of craft it for success. And by that, what I really mean is if you don't have, um, let's say, a personality behind it or a brand behind it that's big, I would try, I would try and start out with a compelling message about what the blog is about. Mm-hmm. You know, build build around a niche that you know is underserved or even if it's overserved, if you think that you can serve it better than anyone else, mm-hmm. you can dive into that realm. Certainly I would if go it's with, something you're already interested in, right? If it's a topic you're passionate about versus it has something to be. you think that may <laughs> be a niche out there. Yeah, right? I mean if you if you're in the you know the mortgage space just because you think that, oh I can I know how to generate lots of thin affiliate site traffic to mortgage domains, you know, and, and Joe's house of hyphen mortgage.com is for you. Sorry, it's not necessarily, you know, a great space to be blogging in. But right. on the other hand, if you think you've got access to tons and tons of data or you speak to real estate agents and buyers every day um, and, you know, you're well connected to the financial sphere and, and you think you can really do a great job of that, go for it. Go for it. So one of the things that I would say for blogging success, build a fantastic looking site. Um, professional design is really, really important. You know, and I say that knowing that there are plenty of successful blogs out there that don't have a professional look and feel. Sure. But if you want to set yourself up for success, I think that's a really good way to go. And WordPress or you know, TypePad or whatever, customization is so inexpensive. You're talking about a few thousand dollar investment for a really good designer, yep. and you get so much out of that. You can actually even get play out of your design alone. You can submit to all those blog design sites and get a lot of traffic that way. Or mine, um, my blog, I'm sure you think, has a fantastic design. Come on. Um, Come on. Sorry. Come on. Not a fantastic design. Fantastic content. (sighs) So sad. So so sad. No, but I I I agree. Having a a good a, you know design where people come to your site and think that it looks professional probably can make a big difference. What else would you say? Um, so one of the other things is I would try and launch with a bang. I would try and launch with a post that involves a lot of um, uh, either a lot of research and a lot of really cool stuff that you you know other people are going to write about and link to. So if you have data that you can share that no one else has shared before, mm-hmm. if you have um, information or insight that's that's particularly valuable. I'm I'm not a huge fan of actually launching with like the top ten reasons you should yada yada or that kind of thing. Although it did work very well for Brian Clark at Copy Blogger, right? So he mm-hmm. kind of launched, had a good looking design, had a very um, you know specific niche, and then started with very very link bait style content. Virtually every post is kind of the top reasons you need to write well. The you know what goes into a headline or mm-hmm. you know um, seven ways that you your copy can sell your product. It, Right. You know, so it is. It is very link baity to start out with, but that's it, it worked well for him. I think that um, you can expand on that. The other thing that I would really, really do is look to build relationships in whatever blogosphere you're in. So, right. You know. Yeah. So, and ways you could do that is read certainly other blogs in your area and um, and comment on those blogs, not just with links to your own blog, but you know, actually engage. 
um, go look at the forums where people are talking about this topic. You know, just start to get to know the community and get to know the people there, and they can get to know you. And and you and, can um, email those folks too. Yeah, they, they you know bloggers will respond to email. It uh, looks like we have oh, a fan God. of yours in the chat room. <laughs> let, me just, let me just take care of this. Uh, there we go. <laughs> See, if you don't listen live, <laughs> then uh, you're really missing some, uh, some, great you know, stuff. some great stuff. So, so we, we have a bunch of links, too, don't we? We do. So I'm going to pop the first one in um, to the chat room so those that are here can um, um, see it, and we can put these up later for those who listen to the podcast. Um, so this first is from Found Red, and it, it's called Startup Math 1 plus 1 equals 1 half. I found this to be a really interesting read. Um, yeah. Because it was all about the fact that, that uh, when you have a startup, you have really passionate people who are really invested in what you're doing, and maybe there's only a few people and you're doing everything. But And, and um, as you, say, get money, say like VC funding, yep. you, you have the money to expand and you're going to hire people. So you've, you're sort of moving beyond, you know, this passionate core starting set into just people who are getting hired to have a job. And yeah. Well, and I think what the article does a really good job of saying is that the guy basically talks about how he he preps for this problem. And I don't think this just happens with startups. I think this can happen with any company where you're expanding, right? So you have this core group of people right. who are really engaged, really passionate. They know what they're doing. They've been doing their job for a while. And then, you know, uh, let's say all of a sudden you, you hire, you know, you decide, hey, we need to hire four new people to take on this big project, right? And you're a company of maybe six or ten before then. Mm -hmm. So you, you get this new influx of, of blood. And after a little while, they kind of, you can find that the product productivity of not only those new people, but everyone else has kind of fallen a little bit because they need to be trained, they need to get up to speed on their job. And so right. what, what he's basically saying is, you know, one, one company plus one new employee equals, or one old employee plus one new employee equals about half an employee right. productivity right. for some amount of time. And I think that's true not only with a startup, but even if just you have someone being added to a team, yeah. right? You always think, okay, you know, we could do so much more if we only had more people for whatever that, that is, right? But, but there certainly is a, at least a temporary hit, and you're never going to get, like, twice as much amount out of twice as many people. Like, it just doesn't really work that way. You can sort of build your way back up to it, um, but you never quite reach that. And you certainly have to be prepared for a you know, initial hit, I think. I think there can, there can be exceptions to the rule. Like, um, when you bring someone on to handle a task that, that has really never been handled before, um, mm -hmm. so for example, we, we hired Sarah to do all our legal stuff, right? Sarah's our, our new in-house attorney, and she does legal blogging and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. no one else is slowed down by her joining the company, but all right. sorts of things are sped up. Right. Because she's taking on tasks that have never been right. addressed before. Right. The same probably couldn't be said for, you know, let's say we were to bring on a new developer to work with Jeff and Mel on the tools. Right. Right. So, um, you know, we brought on Mike, but he's working on a separate project. If you bring someone else in new, they need to get up to speed on all this stuff. It's like a two-week curve of learning process right. before you can go full force ahead. Right. And, and those I, people helping out, they don't get quite as much done in that, in that time frame either because they're... I see, training and stuff. you know, I see someone like Barry Schwartz in the in the um, in the chat room, and I think Barry would be a perfect example. Like he's bringing on a lot of developers to work on projects, and certainly you get that that same type of flow. Right. I don't know. Did you guys Hi, get Barry. that? How did <laughs> how did you deal with that at Google? I mean, because you had the kind of you were there during the biggest hiring years that that you know companies mm. had. 
And that would be, mm-hmm. I mean, did you feel that same kind of thing, or did you feel like there were ways to avoid it? Um, no, we absolutely didn't. In fact, on my team specifically, we talked a lot about, because there were so many things we wanted to accomplish. I mean, we had tons of ideas, tons of input, and there were lots of things we wanted to, to do. And so we would talk a lot about, you know, should we get more engineers to get the stuff done, and will that actually help us get more done? Or is there, do you get to a point where um, either you slow down a lot because you're trying to get them up to speed, or, you know, there's only so many people you can throw at something to get it done. Um, and yeah. with Google in particular, the infrastructure is so large that it certainly does take someone a while, or, you know, to come up to speed on that. Um, so I feel like our team sort of grew to, you know, a reasonable amount where where we could get a lot of stuff done, but it wasn't too, you know, overwhelming large. But, it, I mean, certainly that's something you always have to really kind of weigh as you're, and as the you're nice thing, I mean, the different. I think the big difference here is between a startup and something like Google is at Google, you have the resources to expend, right? If you right. are six months in the red on one team at Google, that's okay. Right. If you're six months in the red and you're SEO moz, <laughs> not okay. Well, that's the thing, right? Um, if you're a startup, you can't really afford you can. to, to have that kind of lag time. And, and so... Yeah, or even so, just yeah. a small company. Um, oh, we have another uh, question in the chat room before oh, we go on to our next topic. This one from Barry. Hi, Barry. Um, his question is for me. Are you sick of being asked when you were at Google, blah, blah, blah? <laughs> so, yeah, actually, Barry, when people say blah, blah, blah to me, I'm like, what does blah, blah, blah mean? I don't know. <laughs> I thought that was a very relevant use of the when you were at Google time. Blah, it was not at blah. all. Uh... <laughs> so, um I, I don't really get tired of that, I guess, because I know that, that you know, it's an interesting place, and, and certainly I feel like I got a lot of, of relevant experience um, there, and so I find that, you know, it's... Um, I mean, the same experience could be, you know, the same question could be po- uh, posited about Zillow. You know, was the team there, and the team there is a little more startup-y than, than the right. team at Google, right? Right, so that's true. So you have that same type of thing. That's true. So. Um, Vanessa has all sorts of relevant experience. Yeah, but it's like, don't mention that Google word to me ever again. I don't even want to hear about that company <laughs> anymore. And I certainly, you know, would never have a job that would require me to write about that company because I just don't want to hear the word Google ever again. It's like Danny Sullivan. I think there was a there was an article in about him in I can't remember Washington Post or some some newspaper, and the the reporter had asked me to contribute to the story as well. And then when I saw the story get published online, I wrote back to the to the writer, uh, to the journalist, and said, you know, hey, um, that's not Danny's title, and he doesn't work at those two places. <laughs> you know, and he, get, I think he, he kind of feels the brunt of that as well. So it yeah. happens, I think it happens universally when you're... Yeah, oh, definitely. People have a strong brand association. Yeah, and it actually doesn't bother me at all. And, of course, everything I said about not wanting to hear about them isn't true, but I'm sure that someone at Webmaster Radio is going to edit that into a little snippet. Oh, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, the one thing I, I um, particularly liked, uh, though, um, speaking of that, at, at PubCon was that it was nice to talk to people who said that they sort of knew me from from reading my blog and that they really, you know, liked what I yeah. had because it was, it, it was nice to not only hear them say, oh, you know, you work at you Google, yeah. but, but that they, um, you know, maybe liked what I said outside of Google. And so that, that actually well, Vanessa, made me feel really good. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the general, you know, the general consensus when people kind of, I guess, gossip about you in a professional sense. People gossip about me? Oh, yeah. Gosh. Is that oh, is that you're you're kind of more interesting and more valuable to the webmaster community as a whole, having left Google, oh, right, and so done nice. and done other things than than you were when you were there and were under, 
you know, kind of lock and key with many with many different <laughs> things. Well, and that's just that's just how it has to be. Well, that's very nice of you to say because I, you know, it's not me. I don't say those nice things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice of other people to say and for you to, you know, overhear them and repeat it back to me. I am happy to listen to gossip um, for you. No, sometimes I actually. Um, uh, I was saying earlier, I had done this interview with Liana Evans that just got posted to um, her site yesterday. And uh, what is that? Search marketing gurus. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. And um, one thing that I said there was that I was kind of surprised. I thought that people wouldn't really want me to, to be around anymore after I left Google. And so I was really happy to see that that wasn't the case because um, I really like hanging out with the community and, and being involved. And so it's been wonderful to to be able well, to we, stay as involved as I am. We love you. We Aww. love having you around. Aww, thank Best you, Grant. I love you all. Um, so you posted a new link. I did post a new link. Um, oh, and Barry has posted the link to the interview, which was nice. Um, and uh, so thank you, Barry, for that. Um, yeah, so the next um, link that I've posted is from Media Shift. Um, and may- maybe before we get into this one, though, we will take a quick break. Um, and um, hear from our fine, fine sponsors, and uh, then, um, and then we will come right back. Stick around. Good karma. We'll be back after this short break. Excellent, excellent. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah. I get all my information online. <laughs> I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. <laughs> Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues, blogs, and more at RevenueToday.com. Wow, mine's got a centerfold. Revenue Magazine. The Performance Marketing Standard. For more information, go to RevenueToday.com. How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. Satisfied with your conversion rate? Future Now's Call to Action Seminar is landing in Orlando, Florida, January 15th at the Sheraton Safari. This seminar is led by best-selling author and conversion rate guru Brian Eisenberg. The day before, January 14th, our copywriting experts Holly Buchanan and Jeff Sexton will be instructing the persuasive online copywriting seminar that evening seminar attendees can attend happy hour with the experts mingle and talk web stuff with brian holly and jeff poolside attend one or both seminars for prices and registration details go to futurenowinc.com forward slash training this is rainmaker how did you get into this you didn't just wake up one morning and go i want to become a club passer i learned when i was about 13 and learned how to juggle three balls and just thought this is the greatest thing he's so very age 13 and juggling balls it's uh every day i don't know about it i'm growing up She's killing me here. Rainmaker. Live broadcast Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
WebmasterRadio.fm A flamethrower WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere Now back to Good Karma Only on WebmasterRadio.fm Now, here's your host Hello everyone, this is Vanessa Fox And we are back with Rand Fishkin Hi Rand Howdy uh, we have been hanging out in the chat room um, talking about our next story, which, which we just posted a link to, and this is one from Media Shift. And <clears throat> it's an interesting story because it talks about how um, particularly journalists um, and some, some bloggers, you know, they cover particular areas, particular topics, and, and they start to think that they really know a lot about that. But then when they try to make the shift into maybe – working at a company or starting a company about that particular topic, perhaps it turns out they don't know quite so much about it after all. And it's interesting, we were talking in the chat room about how um, for some bloggers, though, it's the opposite. Um, like me, right, I now write for Search Engine Land, but I started out working for a search company. Right. And so it's sort of the opposite. I didn't start out as a journalist talking about search and then going into search. Um, well, and you, I mean, you and I both have spent you know, some time, especially in the recent past, noting how um, bloggers and journalists both, journalists maybe more so than bloggers, though, have incredible inaccuracy when covering stories. And it, it almost makes you doubt the entire field of mainstream <laughs> journalism. Well, it does, really, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's quite depressing. So, I mean, I, I in particular would note that John Cook has a venture blog here in Seattle, and thus far to date, I have read probably a half dozen to a dozen stories on there. I have yet to find one where I didn't know that factually his information was wrong right. about something that he's written. Right. And that's depressing. I mean, it's depressing yeah, to it. think that this is a thought leader and this is an influencer and this is someone who's just dead wrong. Well, and it's who people who don't know anything about the industry would read and just you assume and that you, everything's right. accurate. Yeah, you, you make yeah. the assumption that they know what they're talking about. Well, and you see that all the time um, when you get interviewed by journalists about a particular topic. Incredibly frustrating. And you find that I know when I first started at Google and I um, had, you know, I went through some amount of, of media um, training and you think to yourself, oh, you know, that's just sort of PR speak and I don't want to talk in soundbite you know, because you want to be authentic, but then you start talking with the journalist and you, you know, you realize that you actually have to do that because they don't understand enough about the space for you just to sort of talk about stuff and for them to kind of understand that you have to really boil it down into sound bites for them because it's just not something that they understand well. Yeah, and, and boiling it down into sound bites is what makes, um, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, saleable media, advertising-worthy media, but right. it does not make responsible media sure. and it does not make accurate media and it's right. quite... Depressing. I, uh, Seattle Business Monthly Magazine, which is a very small publication here in Seattle, um, recently sent a photographer to our offices to do a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the photographer calls up and I said, I didn't even know there was going to be a story because your editorial team has not contacted me. Apparently, the editorial team didn't have time or didn't want to contact us about the story, despite the fact that they're writing an article about <laughs> us. And so they just pulled all their research from snippets across the web. Now, right. I hope... You know, I have no idea how accurate this article is going to be, but <laughs> when the fact checker called, right, because this is the one thing that the, most media outlets do as if they have a fact checker, right. the fact checker called, and I think we did not run through one bullet point where there wasn't something that needed to be changed. Right. So, right. But it's interesting because most people who read media don't have any idea, right? The average consumer of media just assumes that the person who's reporting on it knows exactly what they're talking about all the time. And it's funny because even I 
you know, I myself find myself reading stories about government or politics or the environment or technology or something. Sure. And I'll, I will, I'll take it at face value. Right. And I wonder if I should be. I wonder if I should be questioning everything that, you know. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah, I, I absolutely. Going back to this idea, I mean, do you mm-hmm. think that a blogger, let's use a perfect example, but Barry brought up in the chat room the idea of Danny Sullivan, right, who, right. who has kind of been a classic blogger slash journalist about search since, virtually since inception. The beginning of time. Since the, <laughs> since the beginning of search time. <laughs> and you wonder, do you, I mean, would Danny make a great, let's say, CEO or CIO at a company about, about search? And I mean, Personally, I, I like him a ton. I think he, I think he probably would, but I can, I can definitely see a lot of other people who've kind of entered the blogosphere and saying, you know, okay, well, yeah, maybe Robert Scoble wasn't a great fit at PodTech. You know, maybe, maybe right. Zay Frank would not make a great, you know, head of media operations. Right. Maybe Amanda Congdon isn't a great, you know, director of right. video. Well, and and like Danny will even say that that you know, at his conferences that he organizes, he'll tend to do more moderation. He doesn't actually speak on the panels because he gets people who are actively involved in the industry to speak, you know, because they have more of the practical experience mm. where he has kind of the overall analysis and maybe a larger view, but not the day-to-day um, tactical stuff about it. So um, um, it is it is interesting, though. Um, the story goes a little bit, like you're saying, more into um, Scoble and s- some of these others who tried to, um, like Scoble went from being a blogger or a video blogger, I didn't know it was yeah. a video blog that much, to trying to run part of a video blogging um, company. company. And, and as we can see, I mean, he says that, you know, this is going to be his last month there, so um, it may not have gone as well as he had originally anticipated. Um, well, and the, so the one thing that I would point out about this story is that it's anecdotal, entirely anecdotal. There is, there's not, um, you know, there's not a review of okay, we've surveyed every blogger and journalist who's ever joined a company and calculated their success and failure rates and done a, you know, a statistical analysis. There's nothing like sure. that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, it's discussion fodder, but it's not. Um, so we're gonna have to stop talking about this particular topic because I've gotten something else on my phone from Twitter. Um, yeah, and, I got it too. And Rand's gotten this too. <laughs> Um, this comes from someone named um, Danny Sullivan. I'm not really Never quite heard of sure who that is, <laughs> but um, he he thinks that Rand should sing the national anthem. The British national anthem? He, uh, I believe the American one. And he says he, uh, he hears he's quite good. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think that means, mm-hmm. Rand? Why? Where would he might have heard that you're quite good at singing the national anthem? Boy, I sang it in high school at an assembly once. Did Maybe you? that's where it comes from. I, no, I, I honestly can't imagine. I'm, I suspect that since Danny is a journalist, he has inaccurate sources like all the rest <laughs> of them. So maybe that's the problem. Uh, could be. Could um, hang be. on, let me just get the words to the French national anthem here, and I'll, I'll hum that for you. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite one. You know that scene in Casablanca where they all start singing the French national anthem in the bar? I think that may very well be one of my favorite movie moments ever. Um, well, we, we do have um, Seashell in the chat room who, who, who says Hi, perhaps Carolyn. you were a uh, little bit um, drunk one night in Vegas. and uh, What? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just repeating what I hear. In the, in, in, just in go the watch that. Uh, do you see that Mike McDonald video where he splices me in? Yes. Yeah, that was beautiful. That photo was never supposed to be released, and yet, you know, there it is. Yes. 
So, wait. Um, so I've I've popped another link into the chat room. This will be our last um, topic, and then we will head out for the day. Um, I have something else from on the Twitter files, which is uh, from Tamar. Um, she says to say hi to you, Rand, oh. and she wants to know where her email address is. And to that, I say, ha 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 ha. <laughs> Might be a little bit of an inside joke between me and Tamar. Um, <laughs> but um, so the last story that we have is from uh, Do Not Set Yourself on Fire, which which I find to be very good advice. Um, and this, this I found to be an interesting story because it's about how to reduce the day-to-day information noise. And and I know that you, Rand, don't use an RSS reader. Yeah, I don't. Um, do use an RSS reader, and 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 um, I think with everything going on, like I get the Twitters to my phone, and um, of course I get a lot of email. I don't know, you may have seen I've had a little problem uh, with email bankruptcy. And whenever, whenever I have you know friends in Seattle who meet you, I'm always like, now just be prepared. She's going to be on her phone a lot, and it doesn't mean she doesn't like you or isn't interested in what we're talking about. It's just Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get a lot of information streaming to me, so, well, so I certainly can identify with with. And it's article. like push versus pull, right? So I would say, you know, I don't use RSS. I'm one of those people who, like, I, I want to put my head down, do some work, and then when I'm ready to go pull my information, then I'll go yeah. go retrieve it. And I also like going to the sites themselves. Right. But right. I recognize that I probably should have an RSS reader as well. Um, but then this right. is kind of saying, like, how do you how right. do you decide to, or how can you choose? Um, and enable yourself to push away that that kind of signal. Kind the noise, yeah. but still get good information because you don't want to turn it off entirely because then you're going to really miss out. I mean, particularly in our industry where things move really fast, and you know you kind of want to stay on top of things. Um, so I think for email, I should do more of your method, which is that set aside particular times to go through it because I, I do think that's a problem. For what I do like about RSS, um, as opposed to going out to look at the sites, is that I can skim things very quickly. Yeah. And and you know only get to what I need. Um, I did a post not too long ago in my blog. Let's see if I can find it really quickly. Um, about how I kind of went a week and I didn't look at my RSS feeds, and I found that believe it or not, the Twitter, because if something really interesting is happening, I'll get it. Um, you know, people will talk about it. Um, looking at what's hot and spin that week. Um, actually, my um, the Facebook news feed, hmm. I sort of skimmed that to see what was going on, as well as looked at SearchCap, which is, of course, the search engine land. So you only had to use, like, um, seven sources instead of 18? Well, my RSS you... feeds, I have, like, 500. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but I d- did find that I found, you know, the majority of the information um, in other ways, even when I wasn't, like, actively looking at my RSS feeds every five minutes. You know, I still was able to get a fair amount of coverage. So, you know, you may be able to do that, find one or two, maybe not seven, one or two places where, you know, you're getting a lot of this um, in a summarized yeah. form. I, I'd agree with that. I think that is possible. Um, what do you do? Well, so, I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll try and do a little bit more pull, right? So I'll, I'll try and actually sit down, do, you know, finish email, finish Q&A in the SEMS premium section, um, finish, you know, responding to whatever I need to respond to, and then, you know, take a break every 20 to 30 minutes during my day, and I'll go browse five things, ten things. So mm-hmm. I've got that huge list of blogs that I talked about um, on SEO Moz, you mm-hmm. know, sort of goes search engine land, SEO book, roundtable, Matt Cutts, Gray Wolf, Marketing Pilgrim, SE Journal, that kind of thing. And so I'll Me, check. I'm sure I'm there somewhere. You are <laughs> number, where are you? 
Uh-oh. You're like right in the middle. Oh, I'm you don't average and that mediocre. Off. So you're right below Bill Slosky and just above Jeremy Schumacher. Oh, I just beat out Jeremy. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> you beat out John Mendez, too, and actually I, I really love his stuff because he's always, he is all signal. No noise. Interesting. So um, we have to wrap up, but before we go, um, I did want to respond to something else that just came to my phone through Twitter, which is from Brian White, and he wants Hi, to know: Brian. Does this make your phone ring on the radio? <laughs> no, and but it does make the it does make the phone connection. Can you hear it when you get yeah. a text? It'll go. Yeah. So I've I've actually set my phone to vibrate, Brian, just for just because I knew you were gonna. I sent this to me, and I didn't want my phone to go off. So it did actually vibrate. I don't know if you heard that, but um, and it does kind of make the phone uh, make a little noise. So um, It's yes. amazing that all of these very, very important people have time to pull out of their day to listen to this radio show. That's exciting. Well. Oh, it's because you're on it, right. It's because you're on it. <laughs> so, I mean, sure. they, they heard that you were coming, and so they had to do it. So I would like to thank Brian and, and everyone else for. You want to um, get something super juicy before we go? Oh, oh. I'll give you like a one-liner. Super juicy, of course. Super juicy. So you know how we have that page strength tool on SEO Moz? Yes, I just I have used a, uh, it this morning, actually. I have a I have a window open in my browser that says SEO Moz domain strength tool. So that might be coming soon. Interesting. And um, all of you people in the chat room, you know, keep that under wraps. <clears throat> yes, <laughs> don't don't blog it. <laughs> um, so I would like to. Uh, say thank you, Rand, for oh, coming on. Oh, my pleasure. It was great, and I would also like to thank everyone in uh, the chat room and on um, the Twitter texts um, for being involved as well, and we will see you all next time. not sure if we're going to have a show next week with uh, the yeah, holiday, um, but probably the week after that, so we will see you all then. Thanks, everyone. Take care.